All right, welcome back to the Miltech Podcast. You've got Evan Knowles here with Logan Jones. This week we're doing a rebroadcast. So there's been a ton of news lately about App Harvest, and we wanted to do this rebroadcast with the founder of App Harvest, Jonathan Webb. So we sat down with him early last year, and this was right when they started making some really major headlines when they raised $100 million. Um, they just recently announced a second and third location on top of their uh, gigantic Moorhead facility. Uh, and they also announced their decision to go public via a SPAC. Um, if you don't know what a SPAC is, I highly encourage you to go check out our blog um, on middletechpodcast.com. We walk you through how App Harvest went public, some of the news around that, and of course, explain what a SPAC is for those of you that might not know what that is. Uh, I also encourage you to go check out our blog recapping the grand opening of their Moorhead facility. So Logan and I uh, were really blessed to be invited to that and get an inside look into you know, what that facility is going to be doing uh, we got to tour that facility and look at the inside. Uh, it's really amazing. There's a ton of automation, uh, a lot of really highly innovative uh, technology going into that. You know, when you think of farming, it's not traditionally something you think of as super highly innovative. Uh, but they're taking the uh, practice of farming and bringing it into the future uh, right here in Kentucky. So we really wanted to highlight uh, this episode with Jonathan again, given all the news. Uh, we're really excited to have App Harvest here in Kentucky. Um, everybody else should be too, because this is the next big industry in Kentucky. At least that's what people think. I hope it is, because this is something that's really special. Uh, you know, Kentucky's been known for coal, uh, and coal, uh, you know, as many people know, is not the most sustainable way to produce energy. And uh, with sustainable farming, like what Apparis is doing, uh, we have a, an opportunity here to rewrite rewrite the history books, which I think is an, a really exciting opportunity. Um, so let's just go ahead and jump into it again. This is a rebroadcast with Jonathan Webb. Uh, enjoy. It's estimated the world will need to increase food production by more than 60% over the next 20 or 30 years in order to feed the 9 billion people living around the globe. This present and future demand for food is going to require a ton of brand new innovation and a lot of global collaboration. Luckily, a company right here in Kentucky is working hard to help solve this global problem. The company is App Harvest, and they believe Kentucky can actually, actually be the ag tech capital of the world. It's up for grabs, and the founder, Jonathan Webb, is hoping to claim it. I can't wait for you all to listen to the App Harvest story and hear how they plan to not only solve a major supply chain problem here in the United States, but more importantly, potentially prevent a global food crisis. So take a listen. Tech Podcast. This is Evan Knowles, and once again, we are in Awesome Inc. recording the 64th episode of Middle Tech. I want to thank all the listeners for supporting us and helping us grow. We believe media is an essential part of building a great startup ecosystem because the stories and the lessons and all of that needs to be shared with everybody. And so far, the traction we've gotten have, has proven uh, that we're definitely solving and fulfilling a major need here in Kentucky. So please rate and review the podcast. That helps us continue to grow. Uh, we really appreciate that. This episode is a big one. It's huge. If you haven't heard of the company App Harvest, you definitely need to wake up. Uh, they've been in the Courier Journal. They've been in 60 Minutes. Just about every major media outlet around the United States seems to have already covered them. Uh, I've had the pleasure of hearing uh, a bit about App Harvest from some, from some friends. 
uh, that work there. And I knew I had to get uh, Jonathan, the founder, on the podcast. Um, so they actually just finished raising about $100 million. And they plan to build the world's largest greenhouse and sustainable food uh, facility right here in eastern Kentucky. So, you know, the term zero to 100 applies perfectly <laughs> to App Harvest. Uh, so I'm sitting next to the founder, like I said, Jonathan Webb. So without further ado, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Evan. Uh, appreciate ha- having me and appreciate uh, what you all are doing here to, to kind of elevate voices in the area. I hope, uh, uh, I know this is a, a Lexington-based focused show, but I hope our uh, uh, hope our contingent out in Eastern Kentucky tune into this one. Yeah, uh, and we'll we'll be back in in Moorhead tomorrow and, and uh, try to spread the the good word out east. Yeah, well, we've had a few guests from that from that area. Randall Stevens is from that area, and Justin Hall is yeah. from that area. So we've had a few guests from that that region, and you know, there's always special people coming out of all parts of the state. Yeah, there, well, there's definitely deep ties between Lexington and the eastern part of the state. I think when you go west of Lexington, it starts to that the, uh, gap starts to widen a little bit, but um, you know a lot of the a lot of the coal companies had their headquarters here, uh, operated in the eastern part. Um, so so again, just deep ties between Lexington and the eastern part of the state, and hopefully uh, we can we can try to continue to bridge that gap over time. Uh, there is you know part of this is being back in the state. You know, grew, grew up here grew around Lexington and went to the University of Kentucky. But we have just incredible resources here and in, in to the east, uh, with with the University of Kentucky and then, you know, Eastern Kentucky University, Morehead State, Berea College, and University of Pikeville, all within, you know, a very very tight radius. Uh, so hopefully going forward, we're we're trying to do our best to network with the universities, but but hopefully try to kind of bring a coalition together a bit at some of, some of the universities and obviously the University of Kentucky being, being a big player in that. Yeah. Well, it's such a big project. you got to bring as many people together and countries. You know, we'll, we'll get to that. You know, you're bringing together so many big organizations, governments, uh, schools, countries, like I said, the Netherlands. We'll talk about them. But, you know, it takes a, a whole army to make what you're doing, you know, happen. Yeah, no, thanks. And so for the folks on the show that haven't really uh, seen what, what we are doing, uh, you know, App Harvest. We are uh, we we've set out to to build some of the the world's largest uh, uh, sustainable indoor grow facilities. Um, you know, we try to say a greenhouse is not a greenhouse is not a greenhouse. So you have everything uh, from a plastic hoop house uh, in your backyard uh, to to kind of more on the on the realm of what we're doing. So um, it, all of that in different ways can be controlled environment agriculture. Uh, but, you know, really what, what we've done with this first project in Moorhead, Kentucky, uh, uh, hopefully will not only be a, a landmark for our region, but really uh, starting to have national attention and international attention as far as uh, the way we can build and develop uh, a, new, uh, a new way in which to, to sustainably grow uh, produce and bring production back home. So some of the thesis around the business is uh, what, are, what does the region have to offer? So Kentucky... Uh, many of us know we can we can get to seventy percent of the U.S. in a day drive. So the same reason Jeff Bezos was here about two months ago with with our governor announcing the one point five billion dollar Prime facility in Northern Kentucky. Uh, same reason UPS has their uh, global air hub in Louisville. Uh, we can get to three quarters of the U.S. in a day drive. So anybody, any founder, any startup founder, any 
any company in the region, you know, really what, what assets do we have to utilize? Access to major markets in a day drive uh, is one of them, which is critical a critical component to what we're doing, whereas we've seen produce imports uh, into the U.S. nearly triple uh, the last 10 to 15 years. Yes. So for us, uh, we're trying to take that production that's in California, Arizona, and then frankly, um, again, the, the produce imports that have tripled, 4 billion pounds of tomatoes were imported uh, from south of, our, south of our border last year. So how do we take that uh, production that's sitting five days on an 18-wheeler, five days on a semi-truck to get to the eastern seaboard, uh, bring that more regionally, bring it over here, and we can get to, to again, three-quarters of the U.S. in a day drive. So uh, the Moorhead, Kentucky facility, uh, it'll be the largest connected under-roof uh, greenhouse uh, in North America, you know, really right there in the world. Um, 60 acres under glass uh, with, with about 70 acres total uh, with the office and, uh, office and service area facility in the middle. So it's about 2.7 million square feet. Uh, we're under construction right now, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll get quite a few folks from Lexington out to Moorhead and, and be able to check out what we're doing. Yeah. And you touched on, you know, there's four big problems that you guys list that you're solving. You touched on those pretty well right there. But one that I want you to kind of dig more into, you touched on sustainability, homegrown food, and Appalachian, you know, ties. But let's talk about, you know, what does it mean for, the, for these vegetables and this produce to sit on a truck for that long? How does it affect the produce? Because that's a big piece of this, right? Well, all of it, yeah. I mean, I was at the, the College of Ag, the University of Kentucky earlier today, and, you know, everybody talks about health care and access to health care in this country. You know, the reality is some of the two leading causes uh, of, of, of death in the U.S. are heart disease and diabetes, both of which are highly uh, controllable through food and diet. And, you know, if we want to talk about empowerment, empowering people's hands, it's, it's really making those healthy decisions day to day. Uh, so for us, being proud of a product that we're putting out uh, that's high in nutrient value, uh, that, that, you know, we mothers, fathers, or, or, you know, anybody going to school and throwing something in, in their, in their, uh, in their bag that, that we can feel, feel good about, you know, growing good, good, fresh fruits and vegetables. So yeah, that, uh, it's, it's going to be picked in the same day it's picked. It'll be on store shelves, um, uh, again, because of our access to location. But yeah, the, the produce coming out of Mexico that we're competing with, I mean, people have asked us or, you know, farmers around here have, have talked about us being competitors and we've tried to make it very clear you know we want to bulldoze everybody around the region onto the shelf with us we think it's flatly unacceptable uh, that that produce is sitting five days on an 18-wheeler so no one in this region is our competition uh, our competition is the produce coming 2,000 miles from the other direction uh, but the reality is they're picking you know for tomatoes in many cases green the tomatoes are green uh, they're getting sprayed with chemicals so that they ripen on the truck. Uh, you know, many of the growing practices uh, are not tracked. Uh, the chemical pesticides that are sprayed south of this border, the EPA can't even track it. Uh, so yes, we you know first and foremost, it, it's about the product and the produce that we're that we're that we're going to be growing, and and for us, it's very important. And then again, look at this plant-based trend. I mean, look at Beyond Meat. Look at Impossible Burger. You know, plant-based tech, you know, sustainable plant-based tech. 
Uh, you know, if you're not in business and 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 you're to to try to in some way in some scale or some fashion do something that's good for people or planet, I think you know many of the founders I've been around and and tried to get advice from, you know, think you're setting yourself up for a really long hard road. And and frankly, at this point, and with all the different problems that that our societies are facing, uh, if you're not here to solve a problem. Then, then really, what what are you doing, you know? And, yeah. and maybe readjust that. And it can be anything. I mean, we try to talk to folks that are even, you know, creating content or gaming or anything. I mean, if that's what we're putting out into the world, let's be conscious of that. And let's just try to make sure it's as positive and there's some impact uh, with that. So uh, with us, yeah, impact at the, at the core has been a critical part of our business and building this business and, and getting funding. Uh, and again, we, we think there's a growing just growing, growing demand to find private sector solutions for some of these large societal problems that we have. I mean, you know, I, I we, we're constantly in D.C. You mentioned the government aspect of this. We're, we're constantly dealing with, with government stakeholders. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's especially, you know, a founder's type mentality that uh, anybody with, with a, you know, enough, uh, enough, you uh, resolve to fight through and try to solve a problem that that uh you know there's tools out there that we've all got access to and and, and let's just try to collectively try, try to solve some problems but yes wrap harvest yeah that's a core part of this is is you know providing good healthy fresh fruits and vegetables one thing i would say on that is you know cdc report has one in ten americans eat enough fruits and vegetables so we talk about free health care for all we talk about ha- access to health care which everybody you know, should clearly have access uh, to good health care. But, you know, the reality is one in 10 Americans eat enough fruits and vegetables. Can we get that number to two in 10 or three in 10? If we got it to three in 10, we triple the U.S. market overnight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are these are staggering numbers. Uh, but but for us, it's we don't want to we don't want the average American to pay more for their fruits and vegetables. We're not going to we're going to try to keep pricing as competitive as possible with conventional that's on the market today. Uh, and make it affordable and accessible uh, for everybody. And, and the crazy thing for us too is we, you know, I lived in D.C. and New York before coming back to Kentucky. And you know, when you look at a high-end restaurant, what makes a high-end restaurant? It's you, many times you're looking at the ingredients and seeing, you know, good, fresh, whole food that's being put on plates. And and you know, the the further down the value chain you go, the cheaper the food goes. You know the the higher the fat, the higher the sodium, the more salt, the more sugar. And you go to a really nice restaurant and it's whole food, good, good food, real food. I think it's Kimball Musk that has the real food, you know, hashtag real food. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or Michael Pollan's documentary that's, uh, I think it's you know, eat real food, mainly plants. But I mean, that's ridiculous and unacceptable that it's only folks that can go to a nice restaurant can afford real food. I mean, that is ridiculous. The fact that, you know, not every single American can go and afford a good bag of groceries from Whole Foods. And that is, that's somehow an elite type mindset. We've just really got to rethink where we've gotten to in life. I mean, this is for us. And again, so fundamentally at its core, uh, in, in 10 years from now, hopefully we think our region will be a part of, you know, leading this uh, continued concerted effort, uh, not only in our country, but around the world. But, but I do, I look at Beyond Meat, I look at Impossible Burger, 
and I see what they're doing uh, with this, you know, a plant-based focused. And, and again, there's a collective consciousness that, that's paying attention to what's going on our, uh, on our plates and what's going in our bodies. And, and hopefully, again, we can be kind of at the center of that conversation for the long run. Yeah, and you had mentioned tomatoes and, and lettuce to begin with. They're going to be your two main crops that you're growing. Is that correct? Uh, so in this facility, we're going we're going to grow tomatoes and cucumbers. So we're going to focus on the vine. Uh, in this type of in the varying facilities, we will be able to grow anything on the vine. So any pepper, mm. any cucumber, any tomato, uh, in a different but somewhat similar system, uh, leafy greens uh, and berries, and and so. You know, Why vines? Is there does that have something to do with the hydroponics that does works better with that? What's what, why vines? So two reasons. One is uh, the number one import from Mexico last year was tomatoes. So when we talk about the produce imports tripling, uh, four billion pounds of tomatoes imported. It doesn't matter your geopolitical stance on you know trade. This is it from an environmental or sustainable or resilient food system perspective. Yeah. It does not make sense to truck vegetables five days on an 18-wheeler, period. And and especially when our competition is south of the border and their growing practices would be considered illegal in many cases in the U.S., that's also a little ridiculous. So uh, why tomatoes, the number one import from that country? Uh, secondly, uh, why tomatoes is goes to the other side of the pond, and that's the Netherlands, uh, who have mastered uh, indoor growing practices uh, and, and they do tomatoes very well. So we, we, we decided to go with a system and, and grow tomatoes. Uh, and to, to touch on the Netherlands, uh, for anybody that hasn't, and a lot of people, you know, we're kind of tuning into it now, but uh, haven't seen or heard about that country and growing and what they're doing. So they're a third the size of Kentucky in landmass. You could fit the entire country of the Netherlands into eastern Kentucky. Uh, and they have the second most agricultural exports in the world, only behind the U.S. That's amazing. Uh, it's because they grow with incredible efficiency. Uh, they're using software, sensors, big data, AI, robotics, lighting, uh, combining all this. Uh, Waganen University, who uh, we've been working with and, and hope to have some uh, working on an agreement with them right now. That's number one agriculture university in the world. Uh, I went there a month ago. And you wonder, okay, why, like, why, why is this going on here? And just the vibe on campus and you go to, it's an agriculture college and I walk in and in the lunchroom, uh, I meet one of their top robotic researchers. She's got rainbow colored platform shoes and little John was playing in the lunchroom. And yeah. so just the, you know, the, it's the energy around the excitement around, they have around growing good food. Uh, you know, paying attention to where food is coming from, uh, how can they grow more efficiently? And, you know, I think when kids get out of high school today, I mean, how many kids do you go up to and go, hey, I want to be a farmer? It doesn't exist. The average age of the farmer in the U.S. is in their late 60s. Uh, no one, you get out of school, you, you go to college, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, maybe I want to play some athletic sport. W what has happened? I mean, we eating is something we do every day all day all of us you know every, three times a day twice a day whatever it is and we've somehow built massive barriers between the connection to food and place and then and then to where we are now and and so for us again if app harvest is going to be successful in the long run uh, we're going to have to 
break down those barriers and better connect folks with food. And we're modeling our efforts strongly off of what's going on in the Netherlands. I would encourage folks to look up uh, a National Geographic article that came out about two years ago, uh, This Tiny Country Feeds the World. And that article came out talking about the Netherlands, and that was right around the time App Harvest was being founded. Uh, and then, then from there, we really just pointed everybody towards that country when they tried to keep asking, what are you doing? Uh, and we say we're simply trying to replicate the ecosystem that that country's already figured out. Yeah. And what you're doing, you know, you're solving obviously a massive problem. Sustainability, health, supply chain, massive problems. But you are starting off going from zero to 100 super quick. Yeah. Was L- there literally even, zero to 100 yes, million? Yes. <laughs> zero to raised just literally. shy. Yeah, right? Right. And it's so actually was so there... 100 million all cash okay. going okay. into Rowan County, Kentucky, which yes. I think Amazing. might be. The third poorest district in America. I'm not sure. I, we don't. We didn't really look wrong, but it it is it. In so how you know I come from a pretty modest background. Uh, went to the University of Kentucky. I've had a great childhood growing up around uh, around the area. I have one sister uh, who married a, a gentleman who who had ties to Pikeville, and we we, we looked at Pikeville on the onset. Now we're over in Moorhead. Um, you know my. When people ask me who's my biggest inspiration as an entrepreneur, and it was definitely my father, uh, who, who, with a high school degree, started his own business. And uh, around the time I was born, he was, he'd kill me if he was saying this, but, but uh, you know, he was selling brooms to different manufacturing companies, and then worked his way in to, to sell other equipment into ma- manufacturing facilities. And but that, what he taught me early on, and I, he ended up having his own material handling business. Uh, selling materials out to large manufacturers. And I would uh, go work on the weekends and clean the facility, clean the floors. And uh, the one I just remember early on that I don't necessarily need to be the smartest person in the room, but I got to outwork everybody, just out hustle them and be honest, have integrity and have character. And, and I think for us, those are critical pieces for a founder and making sure that you build that respect with other people around you. But again, and I said it earlier, purpose. We're in a day and age where we have big, massive problems. And, you know, it's like the Titanic where the music's playing, but the, sh- the ship is sinking. And if we don't wake up, where are we going to be in 20? 20- this isn't like a two-generation-down-the-line thing. This is like 2050, we're all alive. 2050, we need two planet Earths to have enough land and water to grow enough food for a growing population and growing middle class around the world. That is this lifetime. So why, how did we raise $100 million? Well, I think, you know, one, the integrity of what were the people involved has been critical, but purpose at its core and solving, trying to go after large problems. And, and we don't have time. I mean, this $100 million project is massive. And, you know, if you were to ask me 10 years ago and, you know, as, as somebody who wanted to start start my own my own company, would have never wrapped my head around it. But you know, the reality is, there is money out there for people who are diligently in it for the right reasons to try to solve some of these problems. And so, I, anybody that's on here listening, I would please, whatever product you're creating, whatever it is you're doing, 
let's try to solve problems because in this state we have them around the country we have, we have them and around the world and just pick so for us sustainability at its core food uh growing good food um but yes it, it was it was a tall task with 100 million all cash a lot of different investors came in uh and now we're we're, we're building uh, a facility hopefully that we'll all be proud of yeah i was, I was gonna ask like was there ever a scenario where you started smaller? But it sounds like due to the urgency of the problem, it needs to be this quick and this this big. This isn't even close to, but we can't move fast enough. So when we talk about, there was a, this morning, New York Times, NPR, every national, international media published the UN report on uh, climate as it relates to food. And so what what they're now talking about is how threatened agriculture is around the world because of disruption in climate. So it doesn't matter where your position is on that. The reality is one year California is in drought, one year California is flooding. One year Iowa's in drought, one year Iowa's flooding. It's happening all around the world. How do we get to a point of where we're going to need 50 to 70% more food globally by 2050? What that means is from now until 2050, humans will need to grow as much food is we've grown from 10,000 years ago of inception to man until this day. So let me say that again. 10,000, from the existence of man until now, we need to grow that much food to feed our planet between now and 2050. So that is 50 to 70% more than we're producing today. We don't have the fresh water. We don't have the available land. We're running out. The climate is you know, shifting in wild swings to where Farmers are living paycheck to paycheck. They can't deal with a down crop. They go bankrupt. So how, how do we make this happen uh, again? And I think for those founders who are in this state or work, you know, at universities, find the problems, then go after the solution. But this $100 million project, as massive it is, as it is for us or in the room or anybody listening, it's a dent in the overall macro picture. And you know, we're not going to be able to build and grow fast enough to retool the supply chain. So, you know, people talk about energy security in the U.S. and how we wanted to produce enough energy in the U.S. to be self-sufficient. You know, food security, not just in the U.S., when we've now shipped much of our food production out of this country and it's coming back in, you know, around the world, water is going to be the new gold. Somebody, you know, I met with throughout this process was uh, Boyd Holbrook, who's from Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Boyd and family grew up there, got pretty close with his mom. Uh, Boyd was the lead actor in Narcos. He was just the lead actor in the new Predator film uh, that recently came out. Uh, and, and Boyd, uh, writing a script on a kind of post-Mad Max world of not too far out. This is like a 2060, 2070 type world where water is the new gold. Something we take for granted every day. Uh, looking at it here on the table. We've got hundreds of bottles around... But you know, water is life. What yeah. makes planet Earth unique in this yeah. massive universe? It's the water we have here that's able to sustain and create life. And we, you know, again, these simple, basic things, whether it be food and water, we're taking for granted uh, and, and we need to wake up a bit. So, yes, massive project, uh, but not nearly big enough to, to, to solve, solve the overall problem. But I will say, so with the water aspect, what does our region have to offer? We had a record amount of rainfall last year. Uh, Kentucky is on, on track to break that record amount of rainfall this year. So when we're in a world where water is becoming a, a more precious resource, uh, the, the Colorado River is drying up, west of Colorado is drying up, 
Uh, south of the U.S., it's drought-stricken. California is drought-stricken. And here we are sitting in a region that keeps getting more and more water. So we're going to run this facility in Moorhead completely on recycled rainwater. Uh, it'll be the only facility nearly of this size to do that. When you look at Flint, Michigan, where they're having infrastructure water problems, Martin County, Kentucky, folks in eastern Kentucky in our own state do not have access to clean drinking water, flatly unacceptable. Uh, we're not going to put a press on the local water system. We won't take uh, water from the local system. Uh, we're going to be running this facility completely on recycled rainwater, and we're able to do that uh, because we're in a water-rich region that, that has a has an abundant, fresh amount of water. So, you know, again, anybody who's listening on this, I, I would just encourage them to, to kind of maybe take a step back as, as, and, and look at how can their company play a part in some of these big macro problems that, that we're all facing. Uh, and, and I am hopeful. All these universities in our state, uh, there's a lot of good talent. Uh, how do we kind of come together, have conversations, and obviously podcasts like this are important, uh, and, and ultimately catalytic moments of, of, of conversation and, and get people to table and figure out how we can work together to, to solve some of these larger problems. But we got a lot of work to do ahead of us in the next year, uh, two years, but uh, hope to have folks in the central part of our, our state out east uh, taking a look at what's going on. Yeah, with with all of this pressure on you from organizations, your own company, governments, countries, how do you personally deal with pressure of, of starting a company this fast and solving this big of a problem? Yeah, it's, again, Evan, it's, you know, I come from a fairly humble background. At some point, you've really got to have conviction to just sprint. And, you know, whoever's listening and, and in this area, the reality is we're, we're in the largest, most robust economy in the world. And uh, many of any of us are privileged simply by the place in which we're from. Uh, so no matter how hard it really gets for us, we're not somebody growing up in sub-Saharan Africa. We're not somebody growing up in a third world. And you got to really put it in perspective of how good we got it. Because the reality, at the end of the day, you've got a friend, you've got a family member, you have somebody in your life who cares about you. You know, are you going to eat every day? Yes. Are you going to you know, have shelter? Yes. So the, pro the pressure starts to become what we create in our own heads. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ripping out those voices in our heads and pressure, it's not real. It's just in your head. So when you block the noise out and you block out all this other stuff of the critics and the people that tell you it's not going to work and here's why it's not going to work and there's never going to be any chance that you're ever going to raise that amount of money for that idea, okay, all right, so just keep moving. And for me, it took a long time. People think this company started two years ago. It started 10 years ago when I moved to New York out of 2008. I didn't start App Harvest, but I wanted to get into large-scale sustainable development. I didn't have anywhere to live. I moved up there in my SUV, went in my SUV and wanted to get into wind and solar development. I remember applying to 150 jobs. I didn't get one interview. To this day, I never got one interview in that field. I actually, two, I think last week or two weeks ago, met with the CEO of one of the companies that I applied to. I didn't even tell him that him and his management team, CFO, everybody, uh, you know, I applied to work on developing large projects for them. Didn't even get an interview. You hear these stories 
I guess you maybe see Gary V on Instagram and you hear others about, you know, Gary's screaming at the Instagram. Right. <laughs> yeah. Failure. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, you know, it, it's true. I mean, yeah. you're going to, if you're going for anything worth having, it's not going to work right out of the gate. If it's working right out of the gate, you probably have the bar set really, really low. Like that's just the reality. So yeah. if it takes three years or four years or five years, you know, just just be committed and focused, uh, and and you know, over time, the thesis of that idea will continue to crystallize. But I, the only thing I can say, and I might be a little different on this, and, and Nate Morris is somebody who I'm actually having dinner with on Friday, the founder of Rubicon Global, and uh, Nate had me. There's a founders pledge that uh, folks are starting to sign to give a you know small percentage of, the, of their equity away, and you know folks in kind of that circle of this this founders pledge if your business does not have purpose it ain't going to be here so first and foremost figure out your talents but you've got what are what are the markets in 30 world you know 30 years from now what is the world going to look like 20 years from now 10 years from now if you're riding a trend in a wave of a quarterly annually type cycle you're going to constantly be riding that way. Have purpose at your core. Uh, you know, found something that's solving a problem, and and then the rest will start to coalesce around you. Because right now there are a lot of people out there who really want to help solve these problems. So you know, uh, again, the yeah, the pressure, Evan, it's ridiculous. I try, you know, I try not to let it get to me. It's in it. it I tell myself it's in my head, and I push it out. But it's it's a real thing that I think any founder and anybody who goes out and and steps out their front door and, and breaks the mold a bit uh, has got to deal with it. And that's why having communities again, this podcast, you know, Awesome Inc., uh, you know, meeting with other founders, you know, talking. Uh, it's important. You've got to have a sense of community and building that ecosystem here in Kentucky. Again, I think there's a great opportunity here. I mean, you don't need to move to Louisville. You know, I love Louisville, but there's, you know, fine here in Lexington, but frankly, great startups in Louisville. So even in this tri-state area of Louisville, Lexington, Cincinnati, you don't need to be in London or San Francisco or New York. Frankly, our first investors with Rise of the Rest, Steve Case and J.D. Vance, you know, the whole thesis of their fund is 80% of venture capital goes to San Francisco, New York, and Boston. Uh, the rest of the country is fighting for 20% of that VC. Um, that's shifting. I mean, Steve and them, they're, they're shifting the way in which folks are looking at VC, but we got to continue to educate, you know, our local investors here, you know, take it, take a chance. Like if we want these 25,000 University of Kentucky students staying in Kentucky to build the next, what is the future of our Commonwealth? I mean, this is, it's our state, it's our city here. And let, you got to take hold of where you're at and not let your best and brightest go to Boston to work for whatever, you know, robotics company or go to San Francisco to work for some AI company. So if we want our best and brightest to stay here, we have to have an ecosystem. We have to have a community and we have to have funding for the best and brightest who want to start a business. Uh, so, again, th this podcast is important uh, for that. And, and again, hopefully, you know, long term app harvest can play a, a bigger role in kind of that ecosystem and and uh, being supportive as much as possible. So Nate was definitely somebody early on with me, uh, reached out to, and, and was very fortunate that Nate, being a Kentuckian, uh, was there kind of talking through some of this early. But but uh, on the on the kind of pressure question, it's 
it's, you know, get it outside of your head and then talk to folks and get people around you. Yeah. And I always like to end on a great forward-looking statement. And you just touched on uh, this region and the support you've gotten, but let's just narrow in on the forward-looking statement of App Harvest, the ultimate vision that you have. Let's hear it. Uh, the, that, that's always how we try to end, the positive forward-looking statement. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to build the largest indoor sustainable produce hub, uh, not only the U.S., uh, in the world, and we're going to put it in the eastern part of our state, uh, in central Appalachia, uh, where we can get to three-quarters of the U.S. in a day drive in a water-rich region. Uh, and and, and I, I think, again, you know, I could get hit by a bus in two or three years, uh, but we are building something that's enduring. Uh, we're trying to, you know, partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. I can't say that enough to folks that would be listening. You know, we're actively working with community stakeholders from SOAR uh, to the University of Pikeville, University of Kentucky, Morehead State University. Uh, but if we're going to do this, it's not going to be just, you know, App Harvest or even me or others. Uh, it's going to be our region that has to take hold in it and, and shape it. So, so again, any... Uh, it's lofty, uh, and, and and we set the bar pretty pretty high. But we feel really good about where we're at in Moorhead, and and it's a really big, uh, really big step. And and for any any founders in the ag tech space, uh, we you know from all of our political leadership, no matter where you really sit on the aisle, whether it be ag commissioner Ryan Corals or the current governor or congressman in this state, we've said you know Kentucky can be the ag tech capital of America, and this isn't going to just be app harvest. Uh, we can be the ag tech capital of America. There is no one that's grabbed it. And we do not think the future of farming is going to reside in New York, Boston, or San Francisco. We think it's going to be somewhere in the middle part of the country. So let's go grab it. And, and uh, you know, App Harvest, is we've set out to, to do, do our job and we're on a mission. But uh, for any ag tech company out there, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's develop our state into something we can, uh, we can all be proud of. Yeah. Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about App Harvest? Uh, at App Harvest, A-P-P-H-A-R-V-E-S-T, on any social platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, appharvest.com, uh, or just Google us, and I'm sure you'll find some interesting thing to read online. Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate you joining. Uh, what we're trying to do here is bring more awareness to what you're doing. I don't know if you guys need it. You guys have been all over everything. Uh, but I'm glad that we can hopefully bring this more local and tell more local people uh, about what you're doing. So again, thank you for being on and, and helping us enjoy this. Yeah, thanks for, for having me and appreciate the podcast. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you.